Welcome back to Sound Up Governance. This episode ended up being a bit less polished than normal. It was super early in the morning and I didn't have most of my typical recording set up, which is all good because I was so excited to talk to my guests that I wasn't going to let any small obstacles get in our way, even if the flow and audio quality were a bit janky. So who are my guests? Alexander Sonora, the co-founder of Black Wealth Club, and Perry Twinkum, who's on the BWC's steering committee. I have a lot of annoying habits, and one of them goes like this. Whenever I hear anyone talking about cool people they know, I say, hey, can you introduce me? Which is precisely what I did when my friend Dan O'Shaughnessy mentioned the Black Wealth Club. Then I connected with Alexander, a fellow bass player who connected me with Perry, and suffice it to say, they are basically the most interesting and fun dudes I've met in a long time. Let's learn more. Here's Perry, whose job title is Vice President in Finance, Technology and Operations at Morgan Stanley. I'm from Cameroon, born in Cameroon, then grew up in uh, Cameroon, Gabon, the US, England, Spain briefly, and ended up in Canada, where I've spent a long time now. My background, like in terms of academic interests, were computer science, electronic engineering, nuclear decommissioning, uh, accounting, finance, and that weird mix of things led me to first working as a developer for a couple of years, then not wanting to code as much. So moving into a space where I work on optimizing technology, infrastructure costs internally at the bank. Outside of that, like where I feel like I add the most value is thinking strategically, but also being able to add process to that. So implement it with process. I was reading Alexander Hamilton's biography, they describe him as someone who was a thinker and a doer. If I can one day be described as a fraction of what he was, that would be great. But that definitely resonated with me, like the the passion for thinking, but an equal passion for trying to put things into place, to operationalize things. That sort of takes the story to a few years ago where the Black Wolf Club was founded And because I always have a lot of questions and I'm not shy about asking them, I spoke with the co-founder, Alexander, shared some of my thoughts, how I thought we could optimize certain things and operationalize them. And he was like, okay, like, let's, let's do it. And we've been spending a lot of time together ever since, much to my regret. And with that little dig, we're starting to get a sense of the fact that these two guys are really close and really fun. So on to Alexander, who's the co-founder and vice chair of Black Wealth Club. Born and raised in Montreal. Studied in accounting in university. But, you know, I think it was interesting. It's kind of skilled that are relevant, but I didn't want to become an accountant. So during my time at university, I started a marketing agency. By the end of my degree, we merged with an event company. Once I was in that event company, I was doing business development, so looking for like sponsorship. And then one of the sponsors that I was trying to get was Deloitte at the time. Created a beautiful relationship with one of the main partners from the Montreal office. And he was like, hey, like, have you ever thought becoming a consultant? And I was like, no, but, you know, why not? So I started my kind of journey into management consulting by this connection. At Deloitte, I was mainly implementing ERP system, Workday more specifically, for the HR and finance functions for the financial industry. 
ERP system stands for Enterprise Resource Planning System. It's a type of software that organizations can use to share data among different processes like HR, financial, manufacturing, etc. to help make sure that stuff gets done well. And then after that, I joined McKinsey. So I was doing a lot of like innovation work, new businesses for, you know, big incumbents and all that, and also worked a lot in the consumer space. And then at the same time, what happened is that I met Paul Desmarais III. We built the Black Wolf Club together. Now it's our third year, and I've been working a lot on that. And right now, what I'm doing, I'm just, you know, somewhat of an entrepreneur, just doing, you know, different things from consulting to leading that non-for-profit and working on different ideas that I really want to bring to the world. So that's what I've been doing for the past, you know, five, six years. Okay, so I'm sure it's obvious by now why I'm so excited to have these guys on the show. It's like between the two of them, they cover essentially every impressive bit of lived and work experience that I could possibly imagine. And I haven't even gotten to the fact that they're also dedicated entrepreneurs working together on a startup called Hoops. But before we get there, we need to understand the Black Wealth Club. The headline on the BWC website reads, where emerging black leaders go to learn about creating wealth and reinvesting it in their communities. Alexander mentioned that he founded BWC with Paul Desmarais III, a hugely influential Canadian business person and philanthropist whose family is best known for owning and operating the massive Montreal-based financial services operation, Power Corporation. Here's a bit more of BWC's origin story. One of our close friends, his name is Nicholas Johnson. He became the first black valedictorian at Princeton. Paul Desmarais is super Canadian-centric when he sees talent, right? Like when he sees somebody that is talented going somewhere else, like, hey, you should actually work with us. There are so many great things that we can do, whatnot. So he contacted him when he saw that nomination and, you know, he was really impressed by what he was doing. And at the same time, he was like, hey, like, you know, there was a murder of Judge, of Judge Floyd. And then he was like, is there a way that I can help someone in Canada or like, or the black community in Canada? And then my friend was like, hey, you should actually talk with Alexander. He's more involved in Canada than I am. So I received a random message on LinkedIn from Paul saying like, hey, like heard that, you know, we should actually discuss, which was crazy, by the way. Like this is the craziest thing, you know, that probably happened to me in the past three years. And then the next day or like two days later, we jumped on a call and then we started, you know, just to chat and to get to know each other. And we saw that we had a lot of things in common. And, you know, when he was asking me about how can I help the, the community in Canada, I told him that, you know, I'm not the spokesperson for, for like the community. However, there's one thing that I realized being at McKenzie, Deloitte and all that, there's not a lot of partners that looks like me. And I was like, hey, that would be awesome to have my community having your network and vice versa. Like, I'm sure you will gain a lot, of, you know, out of it as well. And that's how it's kind of, you know, it's, that's how it kind of started. So we brought a group of 50, for the first quarter, 50 young black leaders across Canada. And we started the, that journey. And now it's our third cohort. So we are at, 150 uh, different individuals as a member in our, in our non-for-profit. Two tiny things to add on that subject. So the first is when I saw it, what really appealed is ever since I moved to Canada, I've, I've always asked like people I'd run into, especially people in the Black community, like where are the entities where professionals in our space sort of congregate, just get to share ideas, work on things, etc. And I hadn't been able to find it. There had been things that had popped up and disappeared over the years, but I always found them to be a bit too social. 
right? So, so that's what made this something that I felt, okay, this is something I'd want to commit time to because it was, it was very much aimed around growth and also around giving back, right? And then the second thing very early on that helped me solidify my interest in, in being a part of this was like the very first meeting with Paul. I, I, I asked him, I was like, why don't you just go help like the people directly in the community that need help? Because I was like, hey, like more or less everyone in the cohort is going to be okay, right? And his answer was very honest as his answers usually are. And he was like, hey, I don't know them, right? I just, I just don't. It just happens that I, I don't know what they need. And also, like, the strongest resources that I have can probably help professionals better and faster, right? And then so he was like, then you folks in the cohort, it's your responsibility to pay that forward and help your community because you know your community. And I was like, that was an honest answer. It made a lot of sense. And it was geared around having maximum value, added value, so uh, it resonated. So describe, uh, I mean, this is maybe not the right way to put it, but what describe it like typical member of a cohort. What, I mean, where are these people coming from? What are they doing at the moment that they become part of your world? First, I'll explain the diversity of the group. I'll do that briefly, and then I'll just try to hone in on what a imaginary member looks like, right? So... We're Canada-wide, and we also have folks in the U.S. that have like a strong Canadian affiliation. So basically, they're Canadian and happen to be building their careers in uh, the U.S., a couple in Europe as well, right? We find that it's it's folks a, few, a couple of years removed from university all the way to mid-career, right? And we find that these are people that are, are diligent and committed to making the most out of themselves. Equally importantly, and this is one of our key recruiting criteria, is they have shown a commitment to giving back to the best of their ability at whatever stage they've been in. And and that giving back piece is, is, is truly important because the example I always give is that if everyone drinks from a cup and doesn't pour any water back in, it's going to get empty, right? And, and what we've seen is in other spaces and other times, um, groups that were aimed to serve a particular sub-segment of the Black community sometimes did not get the goodwill and faith of the broader community because they, they came across as self-serving. And we wanted to make it clear that our commitment from day one is to do our best for the broader community, right? So with that broader context, we find that it's typically a couple of years removed to mid-career, it happens to skew towards people in professional tracks, but we're very deliberate about having uh, creatives as well. It's people that are, are really selfless about giving back, but also incredibly focused about making themselves better than where they started. Those are sort of the, the, the recurring characteristics of, of the group. Anything to add, Alexander? I think I think this is really a good answer. One thing that we hope in terms of our members is that they really like speak freely in terms of like their opinions and what they think. Everybody, you know, it's kind of like a safe space of just like talking about different things and believing different things. And when we bring, you know, the different speakers that we're bringing, we hope that, you know, people are, if they don't agree with them, I hope that people feel like in the right place to like, hey, like, I don't believe in that. <laughs> and just like saying it, whoever they are. So we hopefully... As you know, cliche as it sounds, is like hope that 
these are a bunch of like free thinkers that you know has their own opinion in the backbone. So what, by your assessment, is the impact so far of the organization, whether it's at the individual level or in a regional level or a systemic level or whatever the right lens is, what's the impact been? I think at the individual level, a lot of people, I think, you know, really accelerated the career or had the connection required to do or to push whatever ambitions that they had. Uh, I truly believe in that. The next thing in terms of like social impact. So like one of the things that I want to make sure when we started that organization is that I hate doing whatever is already out there. Like at this point, you know, just join them. It's, it's a, it's a waste of time. So one thing that we're really good at is working with other organizations and doing things together. So in Toronto, for example, we had a conference two weeks ago, about 350 people at the Morse uh, discovery district, bringing all the ecosystem around like entrepreneurship into the same place. So our social impact is really a way to bring different partners together and to actually work, you know, once again, together to make things happen instead of just doing it just to do it. So, yeah, I think this is kind of, you know, the dual mission that we have. And this is what we really believe in. And hopefully that personal ambition can become a net benefit to everyone else throughout the different, you know, kind of initiatives that we have and the things that we're doing. So when, you know, talking about that event, one of the things that we believe is that by working with talented people, things get done really fast, right? So that event that had like 250 people, other, you know, ecosystem took maybe like three months. And like two months, like part-time, everybody like has their own job. They're like MSM bankers, consultants. They don't have time. But the little time that they have, if you're working with incredible individual, like magic can happen. And we're super proud of that. And so if that's the impact so far, tell me a bit about where it's going or at least where you imagine it could go. Another great initiative that we're proud of is we have this university outreach subcommittee which was started by a a couple of members that said hey we had trouble coming out of university understanding how we were supposed to maneuver throughout our student careers to have the resumes to get into the industries we wanted to get into and we don't want the next generation to have that so through that subcommittee, we've built out coaching, mentorships, an entire sort of uh, game plan and roadmap for a variety of industries. And we recruit cohorts of first and second year university students. We tell them that, hey, work with us for the next couple of years. We're going to help you understand what you need to get academically, like where you need to be involved extracurricularly to build the bona fides that will enable you to get the internship in the industry that you're seeking, to get the second internship, to get the full-time offer. And we've had tremendous success with that. We're very proud of it. Like about a month ago, we had an on-site with those students, right, where we brought them into a room for half a day like and walk them through like everything from this is how you should be networking to this is which club you should be applying for if you want to do consulting finance entrepreneurship etc and the conversion has been awesome they the first cohort had incredible internships some of them have return offers already the second cohort looks like it's going in the same direction and we're also working now with organizations trying to build partnerships we have like ongoing relationships with some 
global companies um, to sort of build up that pipeline. Because for them, it's a way to have talent that they know is committed. And for the students, it's it's life-changing. So when you talk about where it's going, that's one area that we're, we're very passionate about, which combines giving back, right? But also like where we're going as a club, because these will be the next generation of members. So... Well, Alexander, anything else? Seeing as you're you're also involved right at the top of the organization, where do you see this going? At the moment, the way that I'm seeing it, I just want to build tools or program or collaboration that will just accelerate people's career, giving them the right tools, and then just hoping that they reinvest it. I hope that we are able to actually do that at the highest level. What does it look like? This is, you know, to be determined, I hope that at some point we have like an angel group, right? And if somebody has an idea in the cohort or whatsoever, they can actually go there to actually receive the, the strategic funding, right? If you need some partnership in different kind of industries, I hope that we can have that kind of network that will allow people to do it. I just want to make sure that we're building a platform where it's kind of like a one-stop shop in terms of real, realizing your ambitions personal and also your social impact that you're trying to have. So if you want to get involved in Centraide. Centraide is French for United Way. So if you want to get involved in Centraide, I, I, I hope that you will be able to like work with us and being like, hey, I actually know the person doing that, you know, that, that, that raise, that fundraise, and you should work with those people. Like, that's really what I want um, to accomplish and making sure that this is kind of the legacy that we have really just a support system, a platform that you can make things happen for your own and for others. So there's, there's a, a something I've noticed in hearing you guys both describe this. And, and I mentioned it at least Alexander to you when we first talked is you're not really using the word black very frequently when you're talking about this. And when I first talk to you and Perry, forgive me. I may have said this to you too. I remember scrolling through the website and I, and I asked you, I say, okay, so is the intention for this to be by black people for black people? And I remember Alexander, your response was an unequivocal no, but maybe you can tell me a little bit more about that too, just so that people who are listening understand the role that, I mean, what's the intended impact specifically for the black communities but also to what extent is this for black people or not? Yeah, um, good question. And yes, you know, first thing first, this is not, uh, you know, uh, EDI kind of initiative. That's not me. That's not us. The reality is that I co-founded this with a white male as well. So in our circle, there's also a white woman. In our mentors, we have like Asians, Jewish, Moroccan, like mentors that, you know, help us in different ways. We're collaborating with people that do not look like us because it's a numbers game. I think in Canada, and please don't quote my numbers, we're under 5%. I think we're like 3.5 or something like that percent of, of black people in Canada, meaning that even if I had all those people, which would be what, 900,000 out of like the 30 million, whatever that we are, this is extremely limiting. So, like, how can you build something of value or something that actually has impact if it's only target that specific amount of people? So, my thing is, like, hey, let's be in a space where, like, my people are really comfortable. And I'm like, hey, these are the 95% of 
other people. And in that 95% other group, there are people that are really interested to get to know each other. And we should work all together if you have the same values that we have. So for me, it's more about, you know, how do we bring that kind of mentality to the people in the cohort? How do we bring kinship within ourselves, but within others as well? And how do we get access to that 95% of that community? As an entrepreneur, and I mean, you know that if somebody, if I go and pitch to a VC that, yeah, I'm targeting like two or 3% of the, of the whole town, of the whole community, you are not getting fun. Like, except if you're really good at whatever you're doing, like, <laughs> I, I don't want to do, do it that way. Like, but from a number perspective for me and in Canada, even worse, where we're like a small like population, you know, at the opposite of the U.S., for me, it makes no sense. If you're in the U.S. and you're like, hey, this is targeted, you know, for those individuals or whatnot, and this is non-profit, you have access to like 15% of the people rich, is, you know, a good amount. It's more than 30 million. Like, there are almost, you know, as many black people in the U.S. than as many people in total in Canada. Um, so long story short to say that this is still for us, but I think it's with everybody else that, you know, want to support and work with us and create opportunities that goes both ways because once, sorry, I get really passionate about that, but it's like, I do believe that the people that we're working with and that are in our cohort can bring so much value to just the Canadian population in general. Like, it's not just um, can bring so much value in the black community or in this industry. Like, nah, like they are incredible. So I hope that I can kind of make that bridge and, get people to realize how incredible they are and how they can do things with incredible people that might not look like them. You know, that's what I believe in. This is what our organization is based. It's not an activist thing. It's not a diversity and inclusion initiative. It's just a platform to do great things with great people. I actually like that last sentence because the way I thought about it, like when I was deciding whether to be involved with it was one of the areas was was the whole thing about being an activist versus an advocate. And like, I know I'm not the best activist, right? It's it's perhaps not where my skill set is strongest or not where I can add the most value. There are areas where it's necessary and we thank the people that have the commitment to that stream, right? But as a space where we can advocate for the value that members of this community can bring. It enables us to work with whoever can benefit from that value and also can bring benefit to that community. And when you allow yourself to have that diversity of allies, it also adds a diversity of thought, which we might not have had if we were not open to that. Okay, so I'll admit right now that our interview was a bit compressed and I didn't have time to grill Perry and Alexander about governance stuff, but I will. They've promised to come back to the show very soon. Before we wrap up, I mentioned that they have a startup called Hoops. It's super cool. And hearing them talk about it, you'll also immediately get a sense of how much fun they're having and the awesomeness of their friendship. We've known each other now a few years and one of the things that we like doing is identifying things that need to be significantly improved and actually trying to improve them right as, as opposed to just talking about it and the past couple of years one of the areas where through the club we were trying to increase knowledge and impact as a community was in the 
art spaces and in the creative spaces. This sort of originated from the fact that we knew that a lot of people in our community have, have this sort of innate creativity and innate passion for the arts, but it somehow had not translated into people being either curators or collectors or large-scale creatives, right? And a lot of the challenges that they would um, tell us about revolved around either all of the, I mean, I work at the bank, so let's call it overhead, right? All of the overhead associated with getting their actual content out there and getting people to engage with it. And the people that engage with it, we can call those the fan bases. And all of that process included stuff like working with brands, more and more brands want to work directly um, with creators, especially with direct-to-consumer products, etc. And we felt like, hey, we're learning a lot about what the struggles are. And we have a lot of really great ideas for how to alleviate these challenges for them. Let's start to put that into action. Uh, I mean, you said it all. Like, this is pretty much what we're trying to do. So we're trying to streamline the process to make sure that creators can, you know, kind of focus on their art while building their own little, you know, database and business around what they were creating. And we are... Can I just say that as a typical consultant, he used the word streamline in a sentence? (laughs) Wow, and you said the word overhead <laughs> as a person <laughs> looking at it. What are you talking bro, about? Bro, finish your like, sentence, bro. I know you're about to say synergies next. <laughs> I mean, if you didn't cut me off, I would have said it, but you did, so that's on you. But, Sorry, um, I'll stop. But, yeah, I think, so, yeah, this is what we were working on. So we're pretty early, but, you know, in the next month or two, we will really, you know, go outside and start sharing it with more people. One now we've been working on it for past couple months with really close advisors, close creators, making sure that we really understand the problem and that we really understand the solution required. And um, as of April, we're starting to really raise and, you know, build our MVP to make it happen in this economy, (laughs) should I say. In this current, you know, environment, in those troubled water, I would really encourage people that, you know, has the, the opportunity and privilege to still be kind of, you know, useful to actually reach out to different people doing great work in general, uh, in whatever capacity, even, you know, like talking about myself, like at my age is like, okay, if I feel like I have a privilege of like being okay, like, and having, let's say a great network, you know, to actually go to the people that you think might need it and really offer it. And I think this is something that you did, Matt, like literally, and that's how we got to know each other. Like we didn't know each other until you were like, Hey, I would love to meet more people in that space, that space let me go and be intentional and in really building those relationships. I think this is, this is really the, the, the path forward. And I would just, you know, share that this is something that I hope more people will do in all the different spaces, because when things are really, you know, harder or, you know, we live in a black swan kind of era. I think that the power of community is incredible. And I think that when I talk about community, I'm not talking about your ethnicity or your age or your gender is like if you think that you can help someone in your field in your space in your country and whatsoever i think that people should do it and this is a moment to really show true character if every company or every person did what if every company did what was written on their website and if every person did what they write in their bio we'd be fine (laughs) <laughs> like, so it's like, I feel like most people already know what they want to bring of, of value, how they want to help others and how they want to help themselves. Like, just 
be about it. Be what you say you are, and we'd have a, a lot fewer problems. That, that's truly what I believe. Any regular listeners will know how much I love nerds. And these guys are my kind of nerds, the kind of nerds with big ideas about how to help people. In this case, the headlines are black Canadians and artists, but as Alexander and Perry have made clear, elevating them elevates all of us and everyone has a role they can play just by living up to the expectations that we put out into the world i can't wait to have these two back and talk more about governance and about alexander's bass playing oh and perry is a serious tennis player and apropos of nothing when i met perry over dinner a few weeks ago he ordered a drink called a pear bear half cranberry and half pineapple genius Stay tuned for more very soon. And as always, thanks for listening to Sound Up Governance. Shoot us an email or voice memo to soundup at groundupgovernance.com with any ideas, drink recipes, suggestions, questions, or complaints. Until next time. <laughs>